0: Hello, welcome to the Nat Coombs show. Ben Isaacs, All-Pro member of the crew. Back in the house, he's got some big news to drop. Personal news at the top of the show as well, which we are delighted to hear. We'll talk a bit of Sean Payton, and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the championship games. NFC-AFC Championship weekend. We are four teams standing. Two of them are going home, and two of them are heading to SoFi the super bowl so let's get straight down to business gang and check in with the brilliant ben isaacs he's back in the house he is looking sharp but he has a big smile on his face because ben isaacs today is a red letter day at the isaacs household it is indeed
1: um the contract is signed so i can now officially reveal some some big news and it's not just big news for me that's I think it's big news for every NFL fan in the UK because um, I I can reveal I'm writing a book called The American Football Revolution, How Britain Fell in Love with the NFL. And the way I want to tell this story is through the stories of the fans here in the UK and the fascinating stories that made them into NFL fans, whether it was kind of an amazing experience, a game at Wembley, their first ever game, or a good friend of mine who I'll I'll shout out now, Darren Conway, who grew up uh, grew up in Belfast, has told me that he felt like the only black kid in Northern Ireland, growing up there in the early '80s, and by chance he was taken on a trip to Chicago. With he grew up in a uh, in a Protestant neighbourhood, and they uh, charity put a group of kids together. Protestants and Catholics to make them realize that you know what, you've actually got loads in common. Just if you spend some time outside of your home area, you'll find things are different. And uh he ended up in Chicago, saw a Bears preseason game, and then pretty much devoted his life to the Bears, which you know is maybe not a good thing, but <laughs> it just shows how I'm I'm always very defensive of UK nfl fans because of how dedicated they are and how knowledgeable they are it is so hard to be a knowledgeable and dedicated nfl fan even today even even now and like you know that you and i were fans back in the channel four days and reading first down every week and you only had you only had highlights you had one live game a season yeah if you wanted to read about the games you had to you had to wait for first down to arrive on a on a thursday and although there's so much more now it's still nothing compared with the domestic sports here. And if your team is on Monday night football and you've got a busy day in work the next day, then, you know, you've got a, you've got a problem. So I love the fans over here and this is kind of my love letter to them. And I'm looking forward to Americans reading the book and discovering kind of how special our fans are, are over here. And that book You've got a bit of a wait for it. It's not going to come out until next year. There's a lot to be done on it, but I'm really excited about it. So thank you to Pitch Publishing. And I guess just keep listening to us on this show and you'll hear more about
0: it and you'll be able to, you'll you'll know when to pick it up. Love it. Well, congratulations. First things first. Made up for you. At tweets from Ben, tap up Ben to be in the book. <laughs> yeah,
1: but <laughs> I mean, you know, seriously, if, right? You
0: want to be, if you, you be have. Hearing. If you've got an amazing story or you
1: know someone who's got an amazing story, yeah. definitely let me know because there are spaces up for grabs. Do you know one thing I would love to get? I would love to get someone who was at the first ever NFL game at Wembley. And a lot of people will think that was the 1986 American Bowl, Bears versus Cowboys. It was not. Ooh. It was a few years before then. 83, and it was, the, was it? 83. Yeah, Cardinals-Vikings. Yeah. And the, Wembley was half empty. It was, ex- it was an experiment that failed. There was it wasn't even organized by the NFL. It was a it was a, a third party promoter who approached the NFL <laughs> it, and said, it Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> if it was, the place would have been full. So yeah. I would if you if you were at that game or you know someone who was at that game, please drop me a line. I'm trying to find someone who was at that game. When I was working on my uh, previous book, and you can find that at oh, NFL look at, at the,
0: all the plugs coming out. I know, out I
1: know. Uh, you can find that at NFL history book. .com, and there are ways to read that one for, for free as well, yeah. um, if you've got uh, an Amazon account. Um, in that book, I, was, I had to find so much information about that weird game. And I was finding old press reports from that time. And British newspapers were interviewing people, and American newspapers too, interviewing people outside the stadium after they came out saying, what did you think? And it was almost exclusively people saying, what was that? I have no <laughs> idea of what I just watched. I, I, I kept thinking are they just ignoring the fans who had been watching on channel four and
0: were Yeah, exactly i hate that narrative it pisses me off i think it's just about calm now but i remember for the early certainly the first few years of the international series coming over and, and this is based on guest appearances i did on american shows let alone anecdotal chats with american media friends uh That it was, yeah, does it really? Do they just cheer anything? They know, really, anything that's going on? You know, it's this patronizing, yeah, patronizing narrative, which I think finally has been put to bed. But I guess enough people have traveled over, enough media have traveled over now that they really do. They're really, it's a really literate audience. It's not just the circus. Uh, David Tossel was probably at that game. And I want to shout out him quickly before we get down to business. Uh, David Tossel, part of the NFL UK Hall of Fame, he Mm -hmm. has been there for. A long, long time instrumental in the development of the game over here, was a key lieutenant in the Alistair Kirkwood regime, of course, which was was, uh, the regime that brought the international series to us and and made it a mainstay and should always be saluted for that, Uh, and has been in the comms department there for a long, long time, and a stand-up guy, passionate about the game, despite being a New York Jets fan... (laughs) He has been on plenty of shows I've done in the past and told some great stories. My personal favorite was when he was looking after The Fridge, William Perry, presumably at the American Bowl, or maybe it was in the Monarchs era when, when The Fridge was cashing in. And uh, The Fridge's <laughs> appearance on The Big Breakfast is a story that we'll, we'll maybe try and get Dave on. You can tell the story much better than I can. Uh, but he is an unsung hero, I think, of, of the NFL, UK crew, and in particular, the development of the game over here. He's been a big part of that. He's hanging him up and, and leaving NFL UK after the Super Bowl early spring. He's a brilliant writer. So go and look him up. David Tosser, I'm sure a lot of you know him and know of him, but if you haven't, look him up, uh, a brilliant sports writer. And that's what he's going to be dedicating his time to. So salute you, DT legend, heavyweight. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, lots of changes happening, Ben Isaac. Sean Payton walking away from New Orleans after 16 years in charge. Of course, such a a fundamental part of the fabric in that city took over in 2006. It was post-Katrina, just months after Katrina is when he took the job. Uh, and I remember being out in New Orleans not that many years after, certainly when the damage of Katrina was still very, very apparent. It must have been two thousand, the two thousand eight season. I think I, it was. I, I think you, yeah, you went to one of the
1: first games back at the Superdome. If yeah, I that's right, yeah, that's right. We
0: did. It was it was uh, it was a live game we did out there, and the connection that he has with that city, uh, as indeed Drew Brees, and of course the two of them uh, and their connection is is one of the great partnerships in NFL history, not to be understated, and of course led to him bringing a Super Bowl to the city. A long-standing successful tenure as well. Most seasons under Peyton, the Saints were serious contenders. This season, of course, was an outlier, an exception to that rule. How surprised are you? And I know that Peyton's had uh, taken a bit of criticism over the years for his agent fishing for different gigs, and he's unsettled, and this could be the year that he goes. But nevertheless, when the news broke, seemingly out of nowhere, and not my ears weren't particularly close to the ground. I was quite shocked. How did you read it? Yeah, I was, I
1: was shocked. I, during, during the season itself, I felt that he could move on. Um, I, I thought if he did leave, it would be in these circumstances. It would be, I'm stepping away for a while rather than going straight into another gig. The timing of it surprised me simply because he could have done the saints a favor, having done it a few weeks ago. Now, he says, um, I say this like kind of he might not be telling the truth, but he said that he um, he talked to ownership about leaving. They suggested he take a couple of weeks vacation and just kind of let it all let it all kind of sink in, whether that really is what he wants to do. They That's they... a
0: great point. A lot. I mean, we heard the Gronk story break in the last 24 hours. Gronk saying if it, he had to make the decision now, he'd walk away. Everybody's mm-hmm. hyped up about Brady and uh, Rogers and Mike and I talked about that on the show earlier this week. It's a very, very difficult time at the end of a grueling season, particularly when it's been a, a disappointing one. And every season, apart from the team that wins the Super Bowl, ends in disappointment, right? Uh, it's a difficult time to make a call. That's why a lot of players or indeed coaches just give it a bit of breathing space and regroup after a couple of weeks in Bali. Yeah. And, and, you
1: know, you've got to credit, you've got to credit the Saints in terms of kind of feeling that they were doing the right thing by Sean Payton saying, look, Give it a couple of weeks. I mean, obviously, they were hoping he was going to change his mind, but they would have known if he doesn't change his mind, we're a little bit behind the eight ball because everyone else is already on to like second and third interviews and we're potentially missing out on candidates. But they wanted to do the right thing by him. Now, Sean Payton, only 20 coaches in NFL history have won more games than him. That's pretty impressive company. Mm. They had won one playoff game in their entire history. (coughs) Excuse me.
0: Getting emotional about Peyton. Oh, I know. uh, (laughs) I'm I'm choked up. I'm literally choked up.
1: They'd won a single playoff game in their entire history and he won a Super Bowl with them. And I am not exaggerating when I say if it was not for him and Drew Brees at the early point in that run, I don't think the Saints would be in New Orleans. There was Mm. a very, very real chance that they were never going back to the Superdome. And I think... If you are new-ish to the sports, you won't know the damage that Katrina did to the New Orleans Saints, not just to the city of New Orleans, which was obviously devastating, but they couldn't play in New Orleans. And there were already discussions on whether the Saints might leave. So the Saints mm. were then being offered you know, all sorts of places that they could play, and that, that might have been it for the Saints. But Drew Brees, Sean Payton came in not just steady the ship, but turned them into a contender. They have been one of the top franchises in the NFL during that breeze Peyton tenure. And it was going to be so difficult to rebuild after Drew Breeze, the most iconic player in Saints history. And yeah. I don't think Peyton fancied
0: it. I think he well, is going- With the cap space situation, right? Oh, so they're, they're screwed on cap space. Absolutely. And- they are yeah it's a massive rebuilding job they are gonna be re- even with i mean i was just trying to think about the parallels there when i was looking at the situation pittsburgh and again it's credit to mike tomlin how the hell the steelers were a playoff team this year Absolutely. When you get, how many players left in the offseason <laughs> and the saints is going to be even worse in terms of prolific uh, prolific names that could move on as well so yeah it's no doubt a reboot project so I, I get why you walked away who do you think is a good fit for an organization that presumably like the Steelers like the Ravens like the Packers like those enduring heavyweights in the league typically want continuity and don't want to be changing coaches every two minutes like the Giants that mm-hmm. uh, have been latterly the Jets and and many others who, who cannot seem to back the right guy and keep chopping and changing which creates this constant state of flux you'd assume the saints even uh, even though it's going to be some slim pickings for probably a couple of years are gonna because they don't have their franchise quarterback either right it's not like they're in a jacksonville situation where they've got their guy you know so who's a good fit for them
1: well i mean it sounds like the favorite is dennis allen from inside
0: yeah
1: i mean obviously he's already in the building. Uh, he's the defensive uh, coordinator there, and he's very highly thought of within the organization. Um, but you know, he was coach of the Raiders for a few years, and it was bad. You know, he was—he mm. won a Super Bowl with the Saints, left to coach the Raiders. It was a disaster, and he came back to the Saints. Peyton clearly saw value in Dennis Allen. Now, the Raiders are potentially a different proposition. And Saints might as in the, the Raiders then, the Saints might feel this is a really, really tricky job. No one is going to be winning here in the next couple of years. And I, I'm sorry, Saints fans. I think that's how it's going to be. I think this is, this is now kind of year zero of a complete rebuild. Maybe having someone at, who at least is a part of the culture there to help them through that painful process right. is a better option than bringing in someone brand new who hasn't got a quarterback to build around. You mm. go for a defensive a defensive coach and you hope you can get a young offensive mind to you know help out. I wouldn't be against Dennis Allen if I was a Saints fan, despite his, at best, spotty resume at head coach, because at least you'd have that continuity. Peyton mm. loves him, which has got to count for something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, that's a great point. I wonder what influence he'll have. So that's something we'll keep an eye on. Of course, all the... Uh, The head coaching appointments, uh, as and when they happen, we'll be getting into as we build up to the Super Bowl. We're rolling through the offseason, incidentally. Uh, Just want to reiterate that that when we're done and dusted uh, after the Super Bowl, we might take a week's break, something like that. But then we're going to be back rolling with college days. Mm. Of course, Ben's favorite house. Uh, we're going to be getting straight into draft and looking at mock boards and prospects and and breaking all that down. We'll start looking at what teams need. And we're not sleeping, basically. We're rolling three, six, five. And speaking of college days, how about this, Ben? Breaking news, kind of, because I think Mm. you might know, maybe one or two of our listeners might know as well, because maybe we we spilled the beans a couple of months back, but American football's coming to Ireland. You knew that, Benny. Northwestern Nebraska, Saturday, the 27th of August, Viva Stadium, Dublin. We've been bigging this up for a while and we're going to continue to do so because tickets are going to be on sale. It has been announced from March. So go on over to collegefootballisland.com for more information and to make sure you are alerted first and get all the details and the inside skinny of when those tickets are going to be on sale. Now they've been on sale in the States, I think already. So there's a proportion that's going to fans coming over from the States and there's a chunk for Great Britain and Ireland. Uh, and, and indeed European fans, I'd imagine. I'd imagine we're going to be oh, yeah. oh, yeah. there as well. So uh, college football and maybe beyond as well. I'd love to hear from NC show listeners who are out there that are planning on coming over to Dublin for that game, wherever you are, wherever you are in Britain, across Europe, because we love looking at the analytics of the show and we've got listeners all around the world, apparently. I mean, <laughs> in places, you, countries I didn't even know existed, Ben Isaacs. <laughs> and I would love to know who's coming the farthest for that game.
1: Oh, it's I they they are gonna come from all over and there are gonna be so many Nebraska and Northwestern fans coming over. I mean, these are two sets of teams that with plenty of traveling support, especially Nebraska. I mean, that Nebraska home stadium for a big game is just absolutely unreal. They'll be looking to turn Dublin into like a little colony of Nebraska.
0: So I'm a little can. bit worried about this because we're going to be out there, right, obviously, for the game, and there's talk we might even be doing a show on the on the night before, which would be a lot of fun. Uh, which means, of course, that uh, Propo is going to be out there, and Ollie, as you know, is a degenerate, uh, reckless, uh, degenerate. All of those college party crew from Nebraska and Northwestern <laughs> out there meeting Ollie in Dublin—that's a recipe for disaster. We might not have a producer for the show. No, I mean the thing is, is that. Obviously, if you if you look at the the three of us, uh, you, Nat, me,
1: and Ollie, if there's one person we could do the show without, obviously it's Ollie. There's yes. no sh- there's yeah. no sure if either one of us can't make it, but I'd still rather have Ollie, despite his somewhat limited contributions. I'd still <laughs> rather have him there. It might be right. that we have to get the Irish police to just mm. lock him away, yeah, temporarily, just to keep him away from all that, yeah. so that so that we can actually get some work out of him because. <laughs> We might get in trouble if we just lock him in the hotel room. That might be against the law. But if we can get the police on side, I don't yeah. know if they'll do us a favor in that way. I'm he sure might have. You. He might have an
0: international reputation. They might be like, "Oh, okay." Oh. Like in uh, like in the board identity, where pictures of Ollie are getting faxed. <laughs> to, to wait, wait does Ollie know what a fax machine is? is? No, no idea what a fax machine is. Uh, but the uh, that's a great point you make, and I would argue actually that Ollie is integral to, to the show, as are you. What you probably do theoretically is, if I went missing, just get a cardboard cutout of me, a la cardboard cutout. I'm Mike Carlson from back in the day. Yeah, and I'll just record. Uh, pre-record four or five questions and then mike can do the rest (laughs) perfect
1: i mean i cannot imagine what it'd be like for you to go missing that i can't imagine for example waking up waking up in a hotel one morning at about nine (laughs) o'clock and realizing that you had not gone to bed all night and then (laughs) trying to find you on the casino floor of the mgm grand i cannot imagine that happening was a big night. Oh, wait, or, or did that
0: happen? I don't remember. You, I think you'll find Ben Isaacs before you tarnish my reputation. But you? you found me a couple of hours later by the pool at the <laughs> <laughs> Grand. But uh, I looked I at the kip. casino floor first. You did. I'd probably just you probably just missed me because I had been <laughs> I had been there all night. Uh right. Uh, we are gonna get that to business. Uh it is championship time. We're not gonna look back too much, although I'm sure some of your announcers will reflect the crazy becoming we cab, we but if you want to deep dive into that extraordinary divisional round weekend. Iron Mike is your man. Our review show, which dropped uh, on Monday this week over in the vault is where you want to be going for that. Some brilliant questions incidentally we had on that show. So appreciate that at the NC show. That's how you follow us. uh, Instagram, Facebook, I think still on Facebook. What the hell is Facebook these days? Uh, Twitter, prolific on Twitter, still no TikTok. But uh, we are on. gonna we are gonna work on that in the off season. That's one of the things that is on Ollie's to-do list for the off-season. So let's start with let's start with Bengals Chiefs because the Chiefs touchdown favorites, heavy favorites, the started heavy favorites, and that number is expanding. Edge Rush, incidentally, me and Propo will get into the numbers and and the odds and our favorite picks for, for both games that's dropping later on this week I have got a little bit of optimistic analysis for Ollie and for all your Bengals fans out there courtesy of a brilliant piece I read on PFF's website which really looked into this porous offensive line of the Bengals up against a reasonably formidable kansas city front if the titans wreaked havoc nine sacks of course the well-documented number that joe burrow suffered against tennessee the bengals o-line one of the worst in the league we know this right pff grade them at 58.4 pass blocking it's not actually as horrendous as you'd think eighth worst in the league so there are others that are below them but none of them are in the playoffs certainly at this stage of proceedings (laughs) by far the worst unit remaining in the playoffs in that respect but to Summarize the analysis, where the Bengals offensive line particularly struggles is when it isn't clear what the defense is doing. So stunting, mixing up looks as opposed to straightforward right there blitzing. Mm -hmm. Burrow and the line is actually middle of the pack when it comes to a straightforward blitz, right? But it's against the quirkiest stuff, the more deceptive stuff that they particularly unravel the Chiefs have only run five creeper pressures all year that would fit very much into into that mix and simulated pressures very much. Same thing. They're slightly higher, but middle of the pack, which surprised me because I thought when I read that initially, okay, the offensive line, tough against pressure, but mm, the blitz they're okay with. It's the more left field stuff. Uh Uh-oh, we're dealing with spags. That is game over. Mm -hmm. Actually, breaking this down, the, the chiefs are perhaps less tripsy in that respect than at first considered. So maybe that battle isn't as one-sided as you think.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I'd, I'd have had the same, I'd have had the same thought. I wouldn't have had them down as having such a conventional Brit blitz so often. Like mm. um, when you have, when you have a potential reputation for the, for the more esoteric, blitzing mm. your your opponents always have to always have to keep an eye out for it they're constantly watching those things and it it can then open things up for the more for the more standard blitzes however the the bengals coaches will have gone through every every defensive snap that the chiefs have run mm. this season let alone this off season. they will they will have seen it all they will be able to formulate plans for all those different things yeah my worry is simply the the talent on that Bengals offensive line.
0: Particularly on the right side, because that's where the, the weak link is. And as uh, Propo was suggesting, in the first matchup between the two of them, earlier in the season, four sacks for Kansas City, two of them mm. for Chris Jones. And that was on that side of the line, right? That's where I think he lines up there. Suddenly more than half the time, he is attacking that side of the line, Chris Jones. So... That is where they're going to try and make Hey, Is there a danger then you think that Burrow goes down, okay, nine times is a reach, right? Because it hardly ever happens. But is there a danger that that, you feel that could be the ball game right there in the trenches with the the Bengals offensive line just having no real answer to that pressure?
1: If if that's how it plays out, if it plays out that the Chiefs are constantly putting Burrow under pressure and they're getting to Burrow, even if it's not Kind of load of sacks but if it's constant hits constant mm. pressure then as far as i'm concerned the bengals have no shot whatsoever the only way the bengals win this game is to be able to keep burrow upright and have time to throw the passes because there are there are definite weaknesses in that chief's defense
0: let's talk about that so honey badger mm, questionable right uh, yeah. the quote from andy reed the time of recording the most recent one for us. He's still in the protocol going through it, but he feels good. We'll see how that goes moving forward. That's hardly an indelible vote of confidence there. Mm-hmm. Richard Fenton as well going in at the moment as questionable. So let's just say the Chiefs line up without both of those. And we saw the damage that was created and the havoc that was wreaked by the Bills without the moment Tyra matthew disappeared. How Bigger problem is that going to be against Boyd's been quite quiet in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. And I wonder if he's going to be uh, due for a big game, but obviously chase uh, who went off against them last time and, and, and T Higgins, how big a problem is that going to be if those two don't start? I think, I think it's going to be
1: absolutely devastating for Kansas city. So Tyron Matthew is the, is the brains back there. Um, he's a, you know, he's a leader on that team in part because of the communication that he brings to the secondary. And there was clearly a lack of communication in the secondary against Buffalo. Now, if they have that same problem against the Bengals, it will be even worse than it was against the bills. And the chiefs only snuck by the bills. The bills are probably a better team than the Bengals. But if I had to, if I had, if I had a a shaky secondary and I knew I was going to have problems, I'm not sure there's any team I would less want to face than the Bengals. That's a matchup that works really well for cincinnati Mm. now they're going to need burrow to have time to throw the ball if they are able to protect him and he can throw the ball we know the damage he does and if that secondary is not on its a game i think the bengals will just
0: absolutely make hay they're just how do you think they're going to tackle them uh, in terms of game plan look to i mean because this is the problem right the 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 Titans are very much a team we've talked about that are not built to come from a big deficit, not that Mm. they were able to create that, but there are certain very credible, capable teams, the Patriots this season, right? They're a team that they go behind a couple of scores there in Stuttgart, right? The Chiefs are <laughs> the, the diametric opposite of that. So what do you think the Bengals game plan is going to be here? Not just in that respect, they're looking to, to kind of blaze in. Will they go to the run early on? Will they try and control the clock early? Will they try and land some big strikes early? And how do you think they'll they'll tackle that?
1: I think they've got to try and control the clock. Hmm. Um, you always both, do, I guess,
0: against Mahomes, right? That's always yeah, that I think, rule number one. Yeah, you've just got
1: to have as much time as possible where... Mahomes is not on the field. Now, the Bengals are built to come back. They've got that talent. The Chiefs are built to come back. If a team goes ahead by two scores, this isn't a game where you think, oh, well, this is over. Still, any team could win. You've just got to limit the number of possessions that Mahomes gets. So Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a kind of ball control offense from the Bengals with the Chiefs knowing that that big play potential is there. So I think we'll see some play action and we'll see some We'll see some, you know, some bombs to chase. We'll see some big play attempts because you've got, you've got to make sure that the the chiefs don't think, oh, okay, they're going to try and just keep running it, keep running it, keep running it. And obviously with the talent, they've got it wide out. You're not just going to keep running it, keep running it, running it. But if they just, the, sure, the Bengals would love to just, you know, get on the field and score, you know, in, on their first two possessions with a total of four plays. But in the long run, that's perhaps not the way they're going to win. What they'd love to do is score on those opening two possessions, but each time take six minutes off the clock and really just take Mahomes out of the game as much as possible. Because we're not just getting normal Mahomes, we're getting playoff Pat. And that is a very dangerous animal. Keep him off the field, Cincinnati.
0: With what he is on the field, are we going to see more of the same of this patient-considered again clock eating and controlling kansas city that we've seen for much of the season or do you feel that the way that the shootout played out uh, uh, towards the end in particular against the bills that that will unleash some old school relatively speaking chiefs and they're just going to come out and two three punches two three plays that's easier said than done of course against this bengals defense which we'll talk about which is Underrated, I think, in many Definitely. respects, but the Bills' defense, one of the best in the business, and didn't have an answer. Although, look, come on, I know a lot that was happening towards the end of the game when uh, they were uh, they were w- properly burnt out. But do you feel that we're going to see and and where and extension this question where the ground game and Clyde Edwards Hilaire factors in to this as well? He they had a good game on the ground last time against the Bengals, right? They had over 150 on the ground, and, and Edwards Hilaire was injured, right? So. Yeah. With him back with a with a re-up backfield, do you think that they will look to establish that against this Bengal's D? How do you see that working?
1: You know, I had the exact same thought. When when they just started kind of that what I think of as kind of like the sort of classic Mahomes Chiefs offense, when that seemed to come out against the Bills, yeah. I thought, are they just gonna are they just gonna be like, all right, let's We're just back. do this, yeah. let's just keep doing this. But I think it is gonna be much more balanced. I think because they know that. If it gets into a shootout either team either team can win i think that actually kind of plays into the bengals hands it's it's kind of like you know we score you score we score you score there's they're going to need more stops and the best way to generate generate those stops is just to have a more a more balanced offense if they try and turn it into a basketball game i think they they bring the bengals up to their own level Mm. so I don't think we'll see that, but I think much like with the Bengals, we are going to see Mahomes obviously taking some outlandish shots because you've got Mm -hmm. to keep the defense on their toes. You can't, if if they start to think that Mahomes is getting a, a bit cautious, then the whole game plan changes. And, you know, the Bengals aren't going to go in thinking, oh, okay, we're just going to see some intermediate passes from Mahomes. We know what he's going to do, but I don't think it's going to be kind of all guns blazing I think it's going to be a very, a very sensible mix—the sort that kind of the
0: purist likes to see. Okay, we're going to talk more about that game on Edge Rush, and with Propo being a Bengals fan, I am very keen because he knows his onions uh, well across the board, but certainly about the Bengals. So, really looking forward to understanding where Old thinks it's going to go. Do you have a particular leaning bend? Do you um, at this stage? Because it's a tough question to ask on Wednesday afternoon right do you want to I, give it more time or are you picking- no
1: no i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say the chiefs now mm. but the bengals are a team all season you know when we've been doing the 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 show on talk sport on a sunday night and you know seeing seeing ollie just enjoying that bengals team it this bengals team is the most entertaining and lovable team for neutrals in the nfl i would love to see this bengals team win the super bowl i'm sure there are a lot of neutrals who feel the same. This is an exciting young team. It reminds me a little bit, this might be kind of, you know, overplaying. It reminds me a little bit of the early nineties, Dallas Cowboys, mm. where they just seem to be all having so much fun. They were so young and exciting and felt so fresh that I really would like to see the Bengals do it. But I just think the chief's experience, they've been here and done it so many times. It's their fourth AFC championship in a row. It'll be their third super bowl appearance in a row they've just been there and done it and i think that that gives them that gives them the edge but this is this would still be a successful season for the bengals if you told them at the start of the year you're going to lose in the afc championship game massively they would have been happy now they might not be happy on sunday night if they lose but this is all setting up for the next five or ten years this isn't just about sunday
0: yeah that's a great point okay on to 49ers rams and I have got, as you know, Ben, being a, a regular and all-pro member of our crew, and indeed, as he said, you and I have done a lot of radio together as well this season, you will know firsthand, as will all of our listeners, how much uh, I get wrong, L- legendarily, the Lions-Jags double, <laughs> which is <laughs> of the worst picks in history, and there's plenty I whiff on. I am pleased to say that I hopped on for ages and ages. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about Amari Cooper, <laughs> but I'm going to talk about the Patriots better than advertised. And that played out. And the two other things I wrote about mid season, certainly the chiefs was mid season. And then the Rams still, when they were particularly under fire was they are going to be fine. This is a heavyweight. These heavyweight organizations, there are enough big hitters here. There is enough going right for them. Please stop this ridiculous recency bias overreaction nonsense and keep the faith and so i'm I'm chuffed that both have made the championship game and i've been and i'm mentioning this outside of bigging myself up no i'm mentioning it because i've equally not been convinced about the 49ers for a lot of the season and i picked the cowboys another one of my legendary legendary picks there i've picked against the 49ers a lot so you would assume quite logically ben that going into this game i'm going to be all over the Rams. now i haven't decided yet but I am concerned about a number of things here. And let me illustrate for the Rams and let me illustrate the point. First of all, this 49ers front, which is formidable, and the 49ers defense against the Rams has played them smart. When you look at why does Shanahan have the edge over McVeigh? Why do the 49ers have the edge? It's a good situational matchup in so many ways for for the 49ers. So the front, they don't blitz. Stafford's good against the blitz. The 49ers get success against him by rushing forward. They don't need to blitz to have pressure on him. And when you do blitz him, he's strong. And Tampa Bay, dance with the one that brung you, blitz central. And, and we saw how that went, particularly at the end of the game, right? They've managed to keep Aaron Donald in relative check. His pass rush grade against the 49ers this year, 61.8. To put that into context, against all other teams... Ninety-three point one. Wow. Okay, so they can they can handle Aaron Donald, Garoppolo. That's enough. Oh God, I mean, a Garoppolo is just a disaster. And oh, how that can you win a game? Now I read an editorial today. You can't win a game with a, just an okay quarterback. You can't win a, a championship with just an okay quarterback. And Garoppolo is going to be their problem. Maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe long term, I still maintain, and we've talked about it a lot over the years. You can win a Super Bowl with a player. Of the caliber of garoppolo but again matchups where garoppolo is most comfortable the simple stuff the middle of the field stuff that's where he's strong that's where you're not if you're talking about not asking him to do too much to win the game they still got to pass the ball unless you're you know the patriots playing against the bills in the snow <laughs> at 29 of 36 for 319 yards three touchdowns in the two games against the Rams. so That is a star Garoppolo in that Mm. neck of the woods. And the Rams clearly were allowing him to do it. Final point, San Francisco, as we know, all about the run. They run the ball, certainly in early down situations, more than most, if not any other team in the NFL. 58% of the time, they ran on uh, the offensive snaps across the board in total. That puts them by far the most run heavy team out of the remaining sides left in the nfl the flip side of that the rams ground game which is acres fumbles fumbles yeah forget that Akers is a big addition to this rams offense that seven weeks ago was spluttering and didn't really have an identity and stafford was imploding but now they got a ground game that as shane vereen said on our show a couple of weeks back the threat of a ground game the fact you there's an intent to commit to this changes the dynamic of the offense completely and acres and Tony michelle enable that right they enable that but the niners are really strong against the 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 ground the ground game right they have allowed just one running back to run for over 47 yards since week 10 one running back since week 10 has had more than 47 yards so everywhere i look here well everywhere but in many places that i look here i'm starting to think the 49ers are going to win this
1: now the 49ers finished third in their division, right? Right. And I think they're the third best team in the NFC West behind the Rams and the Cardinals. Right. The Rams and Cardinals, as far as I'm concerned, are better teams. The Cowboys are a better team than the 49ers. The Green Bay Packers are a better team than the 49ers. Mm. None of this has made any difference. The 49ers have been as well coached in this postseason as any team I can remember in terms of kind of the coaching and scheming of what to do in a game-by-game basis that anyone I can remember. Now, that's not to say this 49ers team is like some sort of kind of miracle Cinderella team that, oh, you know, there's barely any talent. How are they beating these teams? <laughs> right, right. They're, a, they're a talented team. But the thing is, they're beating teams that they shouldn't really be beating mm. on paper if you just kind of match. Them. Like, if you were playing Madden, and you were kind of comparing the scores, for example, you would see higher scores for the, for the Cardinals, the Rams, the Cowboys and the Packers. The 49ers would be behind those teams, not by loads, but they'd be behind them. Jimmy Garoppolo has done everything that's been asked for him in recent weeks. And we can consider that final game of the regular season, basically a, another road playoff game because they had mm. to win to get in sure. and they won in L.A. to get in. And then they, then they won in Arlington to get through. Then they won in Green Bay. All of these were difficult jobs. And the thing is, they were just, none of them were fluky as far as I'm concerned. And the basis has been how tough they've been and how well prepared they've been. Mm. I don't think the Cowboys or the Packers or the Rams in week 18 took them lightly, but the Packers, the, the 49ers knew they were the underdogs, schemed everything to absolute perfection now kyle shanahan I so on a few weeks ago on twitter just um the morning of black monday knowing that some coaches were going to get fired i put i put a little quiz question up i said identify these two head coaches right coach a regular season record 34 and 31 two trips to the playoffs in four years one coach of the year award coach b regular season record 39 and 42 Trips to the playoffs, two in five years. Coach of the year awards, zero. Coach A with the winning record is Matt Nagy. Coach B with the <laughs> losing record is Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah. Now, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, if you look at kind of his cumulative head coaching career, he has never been above 500. But that's the I mean,
0: quarterback. A oh, I know, I know. Going down is, yeah, that. it is it is completely. I mean,
1: nobody, nobody, even kind of looking at those numbers, would think, oh, Maybe Matt Nagy is a better coach than Carl Shanahan. We know, we know, that, isn't, we know that isn't the case. Do you case. think Matt Nagy thinks he is? Oh, Matt Nagy is 100% confident that he is better than Carl Shanahan. He'll be watching the playoffs. And any time that Carl Shanahan pulls an amazing play out of the playbook that works, he'll shrug his shoulders and be like, well, I could have done that.
0: Yeah, anyone could do um, that.
1: But that, that's the thing. is the, That record is so deceptive, of Carl Shanahan, because of the different circumstances he's been in. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, I've been a critic of Jimmy Garoppolo, I think perhaps in part because he was held up as potentially the next Tom Brady. And he was never really the next Tom Brady. He is just, he is a Jimmy Garoppolo. He is a game manager. And I always say this, I want to reclaim game manager. It shouldn't be an insult. Not every player is going to be Patrick Mahomes. But if you're a game manager, you are not a game loser. You are managing that game and you are winning. If you're a game manager and you keep losing games, guess what? You lose your job as well. Yeah. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is one game away from having two Super Bowl appearances. And yet the chances are the 49ers are looking to move on right. from him right. because they know that he's got, a, he's got a ceiling and they've probably reached that ceiling with him. But my God, he is consistent that getting to that ceiling and getting the wins and executing the things that Kyle Shanahan wants to do. Now, Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure, has a lot more exotic stuff that he wants to do with Trey Lance.
0: Well, it's the it's the Rams. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's the Rams' situation with Goff and why they moved on, right? McVay yeah. was, was understood that Goff had capabilities, but ultimately limitations, and he felt that was stifling what he wanted to do. And, and, and of course, that is the, the fundamental issue when you have a quarterback like that, particularly in the, the changing NFL, the new NFL, where there is a lot more that is feasible to be dialing up offensively. And so if you've got uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Josh Allen, you know, then then of course it is bound to be more appealing to an offensive mind. But I take your point, where, does, where do you think this 49ers D stacks up further back against a Rams passing attack that is no doubt about it stronger than... I wouldn't say the whole season, obviously because of the Woods injury, but when Woods went down and for a long time after that, well, they're one dimensional. It's only Cooper Cup. They don't really have it. And the ground game as well, I guess, was instrumental in in that those limitations. Mm. But it's a lot different now. And Beckham is balling and uh, obviously Cup is MVP level. So how do you see that particular matchup? The Rams offense, and specifically the passing offense against the 49ers secondary.
1: I think... I think it actually can look really good for the Rams, and i I'm glad you mentioned Beckham because I think he's the key to this game. Mm. we know we know what cooper cup is is going to do we We've seen no one's really stopped him all season. If Beckham can have a big game, I think that's what will put them over the edge i'm I'm the same as you in that like i i still I'm finding it hard to really pick against the 49ers here yeah. because of how well they stack up and that secondary has been really good. And we've seen how good that defense has been for them in the playoffs and that pseudo playoff game against the Rams to end the season. But I, I just think that with the way that Beckham has played in the playoffs, that if that's going to continue, I think the 49ers are going to find it hard to contain him and Cooper Cup at the same time. And I think that is where the game can be won and lost, attacking mm. the secondary with Beckham. And if he's finding space... And Matt Stafford, like...
0: This Lining up is... together as well, like Ollie Connolly was telling us on the show a few weeks back, how they're using them in particular as uh, on the same side. He's, uh, we've been dropping some stats and the argument for the 49ers. Incidentally, and I've plugged them once, and I know they get a bit of criticism at times, but there is some brilliant writing on, on PFF, and a lot of those numbers and analysis in terms of where the 49ers have the edge is gleaned from their assessment and their data and analysis and it's really worth a look there's all the general gambling stuff on there as well so ollie loves it <laughs> uh, and speaking of ollie he as you know ben is dedicated you forget the analysis stats you get on pff i mean ollie is a whole different level and 20 hours often a day n- neck deep in data it's another really interesting one in, in running order there is a running order by the way for the show better <laughs> yes. that, that? yes first time i've looked at it all show uh <laughs> really good point on well he was big enough Beckham uh, for the record, 123 yards and a touchdown for Beckham so far and counting in, in the playoffs, but the Bosa cut through that he, he is getting on this offensive line. Andrew Whitworth, of course, the, he's about my age. I think Andrew Whitworth who <laughs> he missed last week and not sure touch and go whether he's going to play. Uh, so even worse without him, right? Uh, Bosa in two games against the Rams this season, says Propo, uh Four quarterback hits and one and a half sacks. So he m- has been making hay against this line, which could be weakened. So there we go. Chalk that up as another tick in the 49ers column.
1: Yeah, I I just think, because like if if they are gonna get pressure on Stafford and Stafford can't get things done, this whole thing will collapse. I don't think they can win without a good game from Stafford. Whereas yeah. I think Garoppolo can be okay and the 49ers can still win. Now, Stafford obviously is a game away from getting to the Super Bowl and that's why he came to LA and that's why LA brought him along. Now, he's been fascinating to watch this season because everyone is watching him in in a completely different way. Yeah, And it's easy to say that Stafford was stuck on bad teams all the time in Detroit and had no chance, but it's not 100% accurate because they made the playoffs with him three times in a six-year span. I mean, that's not loads. Three playoff appearances in his entire career there, and it was three wild card defeats. But they had a couple of double-digit seasons. But he was never under the scrutiny he is this season, and for good mm-hmm. reasons. Because although he play on some decent Detroit teams, none of them were ever considered Super Bowl contenders. And the Rams went into this season knowing anything other than a trip to a Super Bowl in their own stadium was a total failure so yeah. everything for him has been magnified every mistake he's made it's been
0: like wait you were brought here as the missing piece to <laughs> yeah, win a Super exactly it's which is he- a disaster you know it's yeah. one bad game i don't know, so, you know it's a few, but i mean it's like so true it's just ridiculous this like staff was everyone was talking about as an mvp for the first 10 weeks of the season and suddenly and oh, then he's a, I mean, he's a bust He, oh, what have they done i mean is he any better than jared goff and <laughs> that was one of the editorials i read is he any better than jared goff that <laughs> like, they've really well, riffed on this <laughs> Yo, know,
1: Matt Stafford has Matt Stafford's had a good season. I think the only way that people would have been like, "Oh yeah, what what a season they've had!" is if they'd kind of won sixteen games or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's it's been a bit unfair the criticism that Stafford has had. He he didn't come in as kind of the perfect quarterback. He came in as a very very good quarterback, an experienced mm. guy, someone who could take the Rams over the top, and if. If he wins, if he helps, if he helps the Rams win on Sunday, which he's certainly got it in him, and it's the biggest game of his career, it's hard to argue with what they've with what they've done in terms of in terms of bringing him in. I, Whether think, that they would- is,
0: I think that is a really good point that, and and understandably, in a way, I guess that because of all those years in Detroit where they were rarely in the playoffs and rarely contenders, that he's definitely because we haven't seen him do it, and it's almost. I know that has a bearing, of course, when it comes to experience, but you make a great point. He's a really seasoned vet. And this perception that because we haven't seen him do it in a championship game, he's Baker Mayfield, basically, or he's, you know, he's, (laughs) he's, or worse, you know, he's, he's Trubisky that he's just, oh, he's just not, he does. I just don't have any confidence that he's going to be able to be clutch. And then when we see him being absolutely clutch in the divisional round, ice the game oh wow stafford was brilliant then almost with a sense of surprise it's like have we been watching the same player for the last 10 years
1: yeah exactly the number of games the lions won simply because stafford could produce some magic right um there there were a lot of those games i dread to think what the lions record would have been during his career if he wasn't the quarterback there he is so underrated it's a bit like it's a bit like a kind of a striker in some European league that just isn't on TV in the UK and people yeah. don't, don't see him. And you've got, you've got some experts who are like, Oh yeah, yeah I've been watching him. He's absolutely fantastic. And then he plays in a world cup. And some people are like, Oh, this guy's come out of nowhere. <laughs> like, it's You just haven't been that. watching. And I'm not going to criticize someone for not watching a load of, lions regular season games if they're not lions fans because a lot of the time those games have not been
0: competitive or not been important to the playoff picture you know a variation of that i love that i love that example a variation of that is when you hear somebody say who's been playing for arguments sake in la liga for a team i don't know let's say you know like sociedad maybe or betis you know so european contender in in the top half of the table contender in the top flight La Liga for years and he's banging in, you know 20 goals a season yeah but is he going to be able to cut it in the Premier League <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's like he's been plucked from non-league football yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah it's like he's been at Fleetwood Town no 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 he's been like pushing for the Europa League in in La Liga thanks
0: madness madness right which way are you leaning
1: with it Ben um, I'm going to say the 49ers like the Rams are a better team mm. But every time I pick against the 49ers, they they prove me wrong. I think yeah. they've got I think they've got the best they've got the best head coach in this matchup. Um I think they know the Rams inside out. It is very difficult to beat a team three times in a season. It doesn't happen very often because the opportunity doesn't arise very often. But the fact they've beaten the Rams six games in a row, for me, that does count for something. Mm. That has a psychological impact. I'm sure the Rams are like, no, 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 it's it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's all about the game in front of us. They have been pushed around by the 49ers six games in a row. You think that they don't know that. You think that like the offensive line, the defensive line, don't know that they've got manhandled six mm. games in a row. They know. They will be worried about the 49ers. They are mm. under pressure. The 49ers, the pressure is off, really, in comparison with the Rams. This is, it's going to be, it's a home game for the Rams, where the stadium's going to be at least half 49ers yeah, fans. Good point. It's going to be an add a, add a
0: couple of Packers fans because you always have a, <laughs> you
1: probably bought tickets <laughs> yeah, ages ago. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's it's going to be it's going to be an insane one I think because of the atmosphere in the stadium because it's going to mm. be like 50-50. And I think yeah. the 49ers are going to edge it. They just they are just so well coached right now that I think it's hard to pick against them. Even though it's the Rams, and even though the 49ers are just a just a
0: wild card team who finished third in their division, I'm I'm definitely going to let it percolate a bit more. I'm going to give my pick on Edge Rush, of course, and uh, and I'm really interested to see what Propo thinks about all this too. The, one of the only the few things and you and I rarely disagree on things, Ben. One of the things I disagree with you there again. It's something I hear a lot, and I'm happy to get into it. It's I don't think it's demonstrably a top heavy coaching win for the 49ers. I think McVeigh. if we're talking about undue and unfair criticism, and I'm not saying you're suggesting he's not a good coach, just that Shanahan is better, or at least has his card marked. And that is undeniably true that he has the edge in terms of head-to-head matchups. But I think there's a real negativity about McVeigh flying around at the moment. That is nonsense. He's one of the best coaches in the game. Agreed. Agreed. I cannot wait to see what he does up over the next phase of his career, I think he's had limitations offensively with the pieces that he's had. I think he's taken time to adjust post-girly, really, limitations we talked about earlier with Goff. And it feels that like that is a narrative that is creeping in that, oh, I'm really not sure if McVeigh is, is you know, like like to end it on this, like the brilliant Thing I heard about week seven the Chiefs dynasty is over this is it's not just they're not going to make the playoffs this is the end of the road it's the same thing with McVeigh. is he really head coach I'm like, come yeah on, I, I, know, I, I, I'm yeah. with
1: you I, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of McVeigh, and there aren't many coaches where I'd feel he's going to come up against them and I feel that he's the underdog in terms of his coaching ability but this is when- Kyle Shanahan in this situation yeah. It's he, like you say, he's got his card marked.
0: Yeah, you're right. Well, I and Mike was very much banging the same drum there. So who am I to argue with the two of you? But it's an interesting argument to have nevertheless. And I cannot wait for for this weekend. Tweets from Ben, like we said at the top of the show, if you are an NFL UK fan and you have a, a left field story in terms of how you fell in love with the game or an important story about your love affair with the game, tap him up because his book is coming uh looking forward to that congrats on that again bro thank you thank you enjoy the games we will check in with you soon college days we might do college days next week right i think we're gonna do.
1: we've got i mean the draft the draft is in effect starting now so, so yeah,
0: well, let's get our foot on the gas we'll do we'll that's a promise because i think i've plugged college days a couple of times and we didn't actually drop one so we'll <laughs> definitely do one next week so look forward to that enjoy the games
1: thank you see you soon
0: Great stuff from Ben. He will be back soon. You can count on that. We're going to, as I said, roll college days through the offseason. Incidentally, we've got some interesting formats we're going to be dropping for next season. Ollie and I are plotting and planning some really, really cool stuff to add to the mix. So watch this space is all I can say. Some big partnerships that we've lined up as well. It is all happening, quite frankly. But before any of that, we are going to get into Edge Rush next. Me and Propo back our drew locks of the week came in again so we're taking that battle down to the wire can we strike gold again break down the games we'll get ollie's perspective on it look at a few other key matchups different narratives going into the championship weekend so that's going to drop later on this week and we're back on monday with iron mike to talk all about it i know you love that show i know that's a favorite he's a fan favorite iron mike he'll be back to give his unique stylings on what stylings and profiles, as the great clan would say. So that's back Monday, uh, and we are back with Edge Rush Friday. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty